0: Welcome to the Restaurant Marketing Podcast, where we talk about how multi-unit brands successfully market at the local level. Today on the show, we welcome Nicole McRae of Rush Bowls. Rush Bowls is a 32-location health food restaurant serving blended fruit and veggie bowls, something I need after three days at a trade show. Uh, Nicole is actually one of the very first employees at the original Rush Bowls location on the Hill in Boulder, Colorado in twenty. 20- I think that's what we say, 2004, 2004. From there, she went on to manage the location, followed by launching the wholesale division of the company, and is now the Senior Vice President, CMO, Quarterbacks, Franchisee, Communications, and probably like 10 other things that I didn't receive in a bio. Wow, that's a lot. Uh, A fun fact, Nicole once skied the Alps, skydived over two lakes, and bungee jumped through a canyon all in the course of 24 hours. I want to see that broadcast. Nicole, welcome to the Restaurant Marketing Podcast.
1: Thank you. Happy to be here.
0: Super excited. Where are you today? Let everybody know. People always want to know.
1: I'm actually up in Evergreen, Colorado. So it's about 25, 30 minutes outside of Denver up by 70 toward the ski resort. So kind of around 8,000 feet up here. We still got snow on the ground, but it's sunny today. So happy about that.
0: Nice. And what was the last thing you ordered at a Rush Bowls location?
1: Oh, Summit Bowl, soy milk, add raspberries.
0: Is that your, is that like your go-to order?
1: It's been my go-to. That's been on the menu. It was a different name back in 2004 and for a few years, but uh, that's been on the menu since the very beginning. So it's kind of one of the OGs after several, you know, menu iterations throughout the years. So it's kind of my go-to, but I mix it up every once in a while. But it's my favorite still.
0: Nice. People ask me what do I get every time I go to my hamburger shop, but I tell them the same thing: the French fries. Duh.
1: Like we yeah. always
0: eat the French fries.
1: <laughs> I mean, I have two young children, so there are French fries daily in this house. That's you know one of the main food groups here.
0: Yes, I have a six-year-old, so hot dogs and French fries are the ones. All right. Well, we are here to talk marketing, uh, and as I told you before we went live, I don't have any scripted questions at all. I'm just going to roll at you, and really, we're trying to answer my questions, and hopefully other people... <laughs> questions get answered as well. But if you're watching the live broadcast and you have a question about restaurant marketing for Nicole, just pop it up. We'll bring it up on the screen. We're happy to answer that. But uh, Nicole, let's start here. What is like the top way in which you generate awareness for the brand?
1: Oh, top way. I mean, it's so tough because it's not, you know, one dimensional, right? You know, I think digital marketing is obviously huge. I think, you know, that's something we're really focused on and really pivoting right now to figure out how to do that better, since it's you know ever changing. So, you know, figuring out new tactics there, um, I think that's certainly important. Try to be more authentic. I think right now is what people want to see. Getting that authentic kind of user generated content is something we're really focused on. But I think in general, you know, as a franchise system, just creating that kind of cohesive brand the coloring, the logos, what our stores look like, the messaging, and, you know, making sure that's kind of consistent at all of our locations. And that's what our franchisees are telling people. That's what we're telling people in our digital ads and all that fun stuff. Like, that's what gets the word out. And that's, you know, what sets people's expectations about our brand when they walk in the store or, you know, order it online or really anything in between.
0: Nice. Right. So when you say user-generated content, do you mean like guests? Do you mean, influencers like where is it both like where how are you getting that and what are you doing with it
1: all the above really I mean you know guests certainly I think uh, one thing we've seen with a lot of our franchisees who've been really successful is you know they've created these sort of VIP programs even where they you know create these tiered systems of like how they, how many times they visit their stores, you know, they, they become certain levels of VIPs and that really motivates people more than we ever thought. (laughs) And so their VIPs are creating content for them with or without incentive. We certainly engage influencers or sometimes influencers just come to us because we do have that kind of cool lifestyle brand that people want to be a part of right now. So, you know, creating that type of content even you know our franchisees and their employees, the staff, you know, getting them involved. I mean, I think that's a really great way that we found to keep people engaged and you know, keep them happy and wanting to serve their customers in the best way. Get them, you know, making videos. Get them creating their own, you know, content that we can put out there. We actually currently uh, this month are doing a contest um, amongst our whole franchise network of like who can produce the best TikTok video. So you know, we're seeing things come in for that. That you know. The winner gets, you know, a prize at the end of the day. So, you know, all those different ways that it's not just this polished content, which, you know, we always have, you know, the polished photography and videography, it's never going to go away. But I think, you know, especially Gen Z, the younger generations, they're kind of over that. They don't want to feel like they're being sold and that it's, you know, too polished. And, they want to see people really enjoying it and what they actually think about it and if they spill it on themselves or how they use it in a day. So I think that's kind of what we're shifting toward more and more as much as possible.
0: What What is the mix of content you're putting out there between like, let's call it brand approved or studio shot versus like UCG? Like what's what's that look like? How do you think um, of-
1: I think it's still probably you know, 70% brand created and brand approved and all that stuff at this point versus 30%. I think that's something we're trying to shift, but you know, it's tough. It's tougher to find people to make those videos and to, to create that network. So that's something we're, you know, we're, we're working through right now of like, how do we like build our network of those people? Um, so yeah, I'd say it's probably 70, 30 at, at this rate.
0: Okay. And then you find that, uh, are you using more like guest content or more like influencer content?
1: Um, I think that's probably an equal mix, to be honest. Um, You know, I think the best thing is guest content. And we are lucky that we get a lot of people submit guest content, people are tagging us in their stories and in their reels and, and photos and stuff. Because, you know, luckily, we do have a very photographable product, photographable product, you know, it's colorful, it's bright, it's healthy, you know, you can take it on the go, people are kind of doing stuff with it all the time. It's not you know, just sitting at a table or sitting in your car. I mean, people are hiking with it. They, we do bow out bowls for dogs. So, you know, we get a lot of, uh, you know, submissions from people that, you know, are feeding their dog, the bowl, then they're eating the bowl and, you know, things like that. So we're, we're really lucky in that sense that we constantly have content coming in.
0: Listen, how do you, I mean, how, how do you think about the mix of that? You're like, you know, In in the month of April, I'm going to have four posts a week on Instagram. I'm making this up. Like, do you are you able to plan in advance where you're having UCG? Do you think about it as campaign based or not campaign based or like like how does it fit into the plan?
1: A little bit both. I I think we we can't necessarily plan for it because we don't know exactly what's going to come in. You know, even when we run contests, which we do try to plan for, that's where we see you know big bump and stuff too. Is you know, running those contests to try and, and get that engagement and, you know, people winning content, but we don't know what's actually going to come in. It could be a really busy day with or without that or not. So we, when we plan, you know, we try to plan, you know, several months out in advance as much as possible. Um, you know, we don't really plan for it. We just kind of sprinkle it in as, as needed because, you know, if we plan for it and we don't really have anything, then we're like, all right, now we have nothing to post today. <laughs> so we do what we can.
0: Uh, I get asked this question a lot. I'm assuming that you think about it a lot. is like, What's the mix of, you know, let's use Instagram. What's the mix of feed versus stories versus reel versus stickers versus, I don't know, whatever other products and sewer gonna roll out next week. Like, how do you think about all that kind of stuff? And then also like, how do you mix in the need that like people kind of want to see stuff happening as it's happening, not just like pr- overproduced shots. Like how do you think and plan about all that?
1: Totally. And I think, again, that's something we're kind of try we're wrestling with now of like trying to figure out how to do it better. I think, you know, as I mentioned, more and more people are going to for videos. So, you know, we're going to have our photography, we're going to have those assets that, you know, advertise our LTOs and show things like that. And, you know, constantly be put posting that stuff up, but like, we want to do more videos, whether that's stop motion, whether that is polished, whether that is UGC or just quick videos of people in the store or, you know, whatever TikTok trend is of the day, like, you know, we're, we're doing more and more of that video wise. So that's, that's what we're really trying to focus on. Um, and I don't think there's one right way to do it, unfortunately. I think it's all, you know, constantly shifting.
0: I want to thank Adam for being so friendly. Um, there's probably not a right or wrong answer here. And we're probably all contemplating this, but I'd like to know where you're thinking today. Okay, when it, uh, talk about content like Reels or TikTok, right? Are you leaning into like, hey, we got to do more memes? Hey, we got to participate in popular th- things that are happening in these? Or are you like, We're doing kind of our totally our own thing. Or like, how do you think about the content plan for the brand in terms of like, let's call it viral videos?
1: Yeah, I think that's a great question too, actually. I think there's a fine line, right? Like you want to be up on the trends, but you don't want to completely depart from your brand identity. And I think different platforms give you an opportunity to do different things. You know, Facebook and Instagram kind of, you know, you can stay a little bit more structured. I think TikTok is like all over the place with the wild, like the wild, wild west. You know, <laughs> like, I think you have to like figure out those trends. And we, you know, honestly haven't figured out how to do it yet. I don't know if anybody has. I think some of it is just luck and getting ahead of it a little bit and, you know, scrolling constantly and, and saying, how can we hit it? And some, you know, we had a video, couple of years ago at this point that one of our store employees that read our original location here in Boulder, you know, they, they posted up. And to this day, I still don't understand it. I was not up on the trend. Don't get it. Don't know why it went viral, but you know, it had like 2 million hits and I'm like, what? And you know, then everybody went about their business and the next trend came on. So, you know, to like go viral and stay viral is, is like, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's something we're trying to figure out, but I don't know if there is a way to figure it out. I think some of it is just luck.
0: I got, I got asked this, a very similar question, I, I, hosting a panel the other day at the International Restaurant and Food Service Show. And I said, look, you know, I spend a lot of time thinking about this. I wrote a book called TikTok for Restaurants. Like, I like to believe that I know the secrets. I don't know that there are any secrets, but <laughs> my general advice to people is decide what's the type of content you want to put out there and be consistent in putting it out there. Like And that's probably the best plan of all.
1: Yeah, and I think that goes for everything in your brand and everything you do with your brand, right? There's always going to be these external voices and constant feedback from your customers, from your franchise partners, from all of them. And not saying don't listen and definitely be able to pivot, but again, you can't completely depart from your brand just because someone says something, right? Like you have to have that direction and that vision and say, this is what we do this is our messaging this is like how we want to be perceived and you know project ourselves to the world and do those things that support that you know effort and that goal and you know again be agile enough to shift when you need to but like don't don't just be reactionary to someone saying like i didn't like that you did this or we should really be doing it this way or in my market you know this is how things really go so i think there's that fine line of that too
0: I think people have a tendency, myself as well, to like, go look at last month's worth of content and be like, ooh, this video did really well. We need to do more of that. But like, is that really the way to look at it? Do you got to look at that over a 90 day period? Like, how do you think about what content types to do when you're reviewing performance?
1: Yeah, I mean, and I think that is something actually we're trying to do a better job of too, is like looking at the data and looking at what did well and looking at why too. Because like you said, you know, something could have done well, but, you know, that could be the time it was posted or just the day of the week or because of whatever trend or because, you know, something was posted on the news that day, like who knows why it did well. So I think it's instead of looking at one individual video or reel or post or whatever that did well, you know, looking at data over the course of a month of like, okay similar things did well, there must be something to it. Or was this just a one-off thing? Like, and that's not just for social media either. I mean, we had two new LTOs that we launched last year. um, You know, one in the spring and one in the fall. And we were excited about both of them. And actually one that we were more excited about, I think the the marketing was awesome. Like it looked so good. People loved the flavor. It kind of tanked. Like, you know, it didn't like, it wasn't a total dud, but you know, it didn't do what we thought it did. And then the other one just like exploded, did phenomenally, was one of our biggest sellers all year. So we're like, okay, interesting, but we didn't want to completely give up on the one that we really liked and thought would do well. So we're like, what if we just switched the timeframes this year? So we're going to keep both LTOs, but let's learn. And so, you know, we're literally just switching them and one is going to be in the spring and one is going to be in the fall and see if it actually is the product or if it is the time of year or, you know, some other external factors. So, you know, I think that will give us some interesting data to look toward as well on, um, you know, what people are responding to and why.
0: I love your year long AB test. That's awesome.
1: <laughs> yeah. Only in a, you know, small growing business, do you get to do stuff like that?
0: <laughs> what are uh, Let's talk about LTOs for a second. What are some secrets about LTOs that probably most brands don't think about?
1: Um, I'm not sure. I mean, I think, you know we we haven't really uncovered any secrets i think like that's what i mean like when i say like we're kind of still testing the waters too i think you know one thing we keep in mind is some things are just loss leaders right but i think it's always important to have lto's running even if they're not really huge hits you know like you know our detox bowl you know it's it's done well some years it's you know has kind of flops other years for whatever reason but it aligns with that new year new you kind of resolution. We can do like cool marketing pushes around it. So I think, you know, we find that it's really important to constantly have those things running. I think it's also an awesome opportunity just to like test the waters with stuff, like, you know, stuff that you're not ready that that you might love and you want to just put on your menu and like get it out there to everybody. But like, you don't know if it's actually going to sell kind of like what I just talked about with that one LTO, like who knows, but, so it's a really good way to like figure out what people are responding to. Cause we're not the end all, you know, we do R and D and we have been doing this for what, 18 years. And, you know, we, we feel like we know best, but it doesn't really matter if the customer doesn't actually want to buy it. So, <laughs> you know, test the waters with your LTOs, get creative, throw stuff out there. You know, we, we've tested spicy bowls. Let's, you know, if there's a trendy thing going on, like, you know, what was it? Mushrooms or spirulina or cauliflower. Like, I think those are the areas that you can play with and kind of have fun with it a little bit, but you know, secret for, for transforming your business. I don't know.
0: (laughs) How do you, how do you measure the effectiveness of an LTO?
1: Um, I, I think like anything else at the end of the day, it's, it's how it sells is our number one metric certainly. But I think, you know, I, I think there are other metrics of like how creative we can get on social media with the campaigns. Like if it's a really pretty bowl, it's a really colorful one or, you know, it has a fun name. Like one of ours is the Mai Tai bowl. So like, you know, how can we get tropical with it? Like how can we engage customers and get them to show us like how they're using it, you know, putting fun umbrellas in it. So I think, you know, certainly sales data, but also, you know, what kind of engagement are we getting from the marketing efforts that we're putting behind those two of, you know, you know, are we getting that UGC that we talk about?
0: I had a, a brand I worked with, a multi-unit brand, and uh, the marketing and, op- and marketing team was like, let's do an LTO every other month. Easy for marketing to write checks that operations has to cash for sure, <laughs> right? And so we did it for a year and a half or whatever. And then the culinary team came back and said, we don't wanna do these anymore. We're looking at the sales numbers and they suck. And I was like, well, I don't know that you can just look at sales numbers and judge whether this is worthwhile or not. So we actually ran the numbers we took five LTOs and we looked at what their engagement was like in social media. Like, did people click on this, like it, share it, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then we took that and laid it against overall sales. And then we also laid that against frequency. And it was funny, the item that had sold the least, the one that sold the least amount did not get the most amount of engagement, but every single person who bought that was their fifth time that year. So the frequency we got from this one that didn't sell very well was insane. Mm-hmm. And the lesson that we learned on the backside of it was like, well, if you can measure uh, retention, revenue, and engagement, like that was the perfect mix to know whether the LTO was worth doing or not.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's extremely interesting data for sure.
0: Well, by the way, uh, ice cream, French fry, Sunday was not a winner. Just
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's shocking given, you know, the frosty French fry trend. So
0: see that you you don't have to take that one to the r and d department. will tell you not to do that once <laughs> uh, when you think let's let's switch a little bit here. When you think about new guest acquisition, and I don't mean awareness. I mean literally like getting somebody to make their first purchase.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What have you found to be really effective? Is there a channel? Is there a playbook? Like what works for you?
1: Um I mean, I think, you know, you probably noticed a trend in that when I speak, I don't think there's a playbook. I don't think it's one dimensional for anything. I think, you know, something that we've found to be just the ultimate is incentivizing them to come in and try it. You know, like whether that's deep discounts, whether that's even getting out into the community on a local level and, you know, sampling events and things like that, couponing there. I I think that's still to this day, like the best way to do it. You know, people, people want an incentive to try it. And sometimes it has to be deep, like sometimes it's a free bowl and, you know, I think local area marketing, like with those boots on the ground effort is something that we're like constantly pushing because, you know, with the digital, with, you know, all this other stuff you can do with TV, whatever's out there these days, still like what we see the best return on is going door to door handing out those coupons, getting out partnering with gyms, with dental offices, apartment complexes, p- complexes whatever it is and literally like saying like hey, try this product or hey, here's a free card to come in tomorrow or like hosting events at the store where people can try it because we, you know, are super confident in our actual product. And, you know, that we're best of breed. So once we get it in people's mouths, they're hooked. I mean, they literally like build it into their routine. So I think it's worth it for us to offer that deep discount, that deep incentive, whatever it is initially, because we know they're going to come back. Like it's it's just so rare that they don't.
0: All right. I have so many questions. Uh, (laughs) I'm going to pare this down into buckets. Okay. Let's just talk about discounting, uh, you know, or incentivizing. How do you measure the effectiveness of that on, whatever it is, you know, LTV or, you know, average order value or like, wh- how, in, anyway, how do you measure the effectiveness of discounting as acquisition?
1: You mean like as a repeat, ac- you know, customer or?
0: Well, you like, okay. So, you know, most people would be like, well, I don't want to give somebody a discount because they're just going to come get the free thing and never come back. Like how mm-hmm. do you, when somebody says that to you, how do you measure against that?
1: Um, I don't know if you can, I think there's so many things in in marketing that like there's it's tough to measure a direct ROI, but for at least that initial, you know, experience, you know, they mark the coupon. They come in like they have the coupon. You know, it worked. They came in, so you know they're trying it for the first time. Then it's up to you to give them that awesome experience of customer service, getting them their bowl in, you know, less than four minutes, um, and just making sure they leave with a smile so they come back. You can't guarantee they're going to come back. You definitely can't. And, you know, we certainly don't want to incentivize people over and over again. And that be the only way people come in of like, Oh, they, you know, they, they discount so much. I'm just going to like wait for the next discount before I go in again. So I think that's where we have to be careful of like how often we're doing that stuff. But, you know, we haven't run into too many issues where where that's the case because like I said, you know, typically, you know, we pride ourselves on people loving the product. We pride ourselves on our customer service and then getting that like awesome experience that they build it into their routines, you know, another people kind of think of us as like a cold product that, you know, we have these huge seasonal shifts and, you know, you don't even see that. Like we have people who come in post-workout or it's their morning ritual. Like it's more of like, you know, I keep saying they build it into the routine and that's really a thing. So, you know, I think we measure it in that way and, you know, it's, it's not a direct metric certainly, but you know, that's, that's kind of what we see.
0: Awesome. All right. Now you said uh, that you do local area marketing boots in the ground. You literally, you're talking about like handing out actual physical flyers or bag stuffers or whatever, right? You're not, we're not talking yeah. digital, we're talking manual work, right?
1: Yeah. And I, I mean, it's a combination of things. I'm, I'm not saying we don't do the digital side either. You know, we yeah. constantly have digital efforts going from a global perspective and, you know, from a local perspective. But, you know, there's nothing like, you know, touching and feeling your community. Like they're they're just isn't so you know it's again partnering with those local businesses that are also you know small business owners typically you know the gyms the the doctor's offices whatever it is that you know we found success with and you know going door-to-door it doesn't have to be door-to-door you know we do direct mailers and things like that but you know farmers markets and you know all these community events and and showing especially you know we're not mcdonald's people don't know us as like this big chain product you know it is like hey i'm the local franchisee this is my business i'm part of the community I am, you know, a local business owner, come support me. And, you know, when you come into the store, you're going to talk to me and, you know, you're supporting me and my family and, you know, people care about that stuff still. So, you know, a lot, a lot of these locations, it's, you know, single units when they get started. And we, we do rely a lot on the franchisees to do a lot of that boots, those boots on the ground efforts with our support, of course, you know, providing the tools and the guides and the assets and all that stuff. But, um, you know, we, we, we haven't found that there's anything that works quite as well.
0: So how do you, how do you teach that to somebody? Like, cause if you called me and said, all right, Rev, I need to go knock on 10 doors today. I'd be like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> how do you get around that?
1: Yeah. And a lot of people don't, I think, you know, I don't know if you do teach it. Some people have the personality for it and some people don't, but you know, we're there to, again, we provide a lot of guides, a lot of tools, a lot of literal, you know, spreadsheets on like, these are, you know, the people in your area that we think you should target, you know, and our locations are in a lot of different places. We like to be near college campuses and you know, urban densely populated areas, but some of them are in suburbs. And you know, they they work with us to figure out what areas they want to target in their community. Um, and as far as teaching it, you know, I think there's some handholding. We have uh, something called NROs, new restaurant openings, from the day they sign a lease to you know, well after they open to check in with them. Uh, every week and see what's working and what's not, how we need to pivot, how they're liking it, you know, what they've done, what they're seeing. Are they getting a response? Are they seeing those coupons coming back? You know, what's going on in their community? So, you know, I think we also encourage people to, if you are not that person that doesn't want to go door to door, find an employee that can do it or engage your community. We have guides that, you know, for brand ambassador programs, whether, you know, works really well on college campuses, but even outside of that, engage the customers that like your product or you know people that you can kind of get on social media or whatever to be those those people for you that are going to be like advocates for your brand of like hey have you tried rush bowls like come out like hand out t-shirts hand out coupons hand out swag like all that fun stuff um there's always a way to do it
0: nice austin's got a question here i'm going to pull up on screen that's in line with the conversation we're having he's asking with all these different channels for marketing, where do you find most of your new customers are learning about you from? Is it this? Is it the boots on the ground effort? Is there another way?
1: Yeah, I think it depends on the market. I think, you know, certainly that's a big part of it. Like we said, like there, there's nothing quite like it. I think, you know, we do put a lot behind, you know, digital marketing and we do see a lot of click through and things like that. So, um, you know, I don't I don't have solid data of like, this is absolutely by far our most successful thing that we do. But... I know that when we see people get out there in their community and do this stuff, that's where we really see their sales start to tick up.
0: Nice. What other uh, like local store marketing are you doing? You're like, you're doing ad search. Is there something, you know, flyering, what else works?
1: Everything. Yeah. I mean, there's, like I said, we constantly have a, uh, you know, global ads running and they're geo-targeted to, you know, the areas around our store. So there's constant brand awareness ads going on top of, you know, whatever other ads we run for LTOs or any seasonal things like that, or whatever promos we have going on. Um, they also, you know, do that from their local accounts. We are unique or maybe not, but you know, they have their own local social media accounts too, that they can run all that stuff from to get really granular. Cause we always say, you know, we can give you all of these things that we've seen work on like kind of a mass scale but we don't know your community like you do. Nobody does. That's why we're opening there. That's why we rely on you to kind of like work with us and collaborate on what is going to work. Like we're never going to say this is a foolproof plan. Like if we tell you something and you go out there and do it and you come back to us, and you're like, it's just not working. I think we should put dollars toward this. Let's, let's try it. So, you know, I think, um, you know, certainly mailing stuff has worked in a handful of our markets, but we've also like pushed that out and had people do it in other ones that it's completely flopped. So <laughs> you just don't know. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, couponing, mailing, certainly partnering with businesses, you know, the deep discounts, um, you know, cross promotion with other businesses, making sure that you're, you're getting involved that way. Sponsorships, you know, we really tell people to get involved with like schools are a big one, whether it's colleges or even, you know, high schools and things like that, you know, getting involved with the sports teams. Um, I think just creating those relationships that like, you know, people get invested and that's when they come back.
0: I love it. All right. As we're sort of starting to get into the wrap up here, uh, we have not talked about retention at all. Give us like two minutes on either your favorite retention channel or retention tactic. Like how do you get people to buy more rush bowls other than they look great. The service is good. and They taste delicious. We'll, we'll take those as givens.
1: I mean, what else do you need? (laughs) No, I think it is, you know, we talked about incentivization earlier and I think it comes down to that. And this is something that we're trying to, uh, you know, grow right now is loyalty. I think that's such a big thing right now is, is really fine tuning your loyalty to not only incentivize people, but to remind them, send them push notifications, you know, get them in on their birthday, like have them build up those points. Like, all that stuff that like really shows that you care and that they're like working towards something and, and, and being a part of the brand. Um, and I think that plays into as well. I mentioned kind of the VIP programs and, and just like making the customer feel special and that they're like, you know, get them to buy into your store, not just, you know, the product, but like you, the business, the brand, the store, like we really think of ourselves, not just as a, a restaurant, as we think of ourselves as like a lifestyle brand. And, you know, that's what we, try to get people to buy into. And, you know, I think there's a few different ways to do that, but I think at the end of the day, it's just making people feel seen and getting them to kind of like constantly be aware that you're there, whether it's on their phone, whether it's in the store, whether it's on social media, you know, kind of stay in their face a little bit.
0: (laughs) All right. So staying top of mind, what's your, what's your favorite marketing channel for staying top of mind with
1: guests? Um, I mean, I think with that, it's just, out, I mean, outside of loyalty, I assume, I think it's, you know, it's got to just be the social media channels. I think that's our easiest, fastest, most direct way. Everybody's on social media, whether they say they are or want to be, or wanna, like they're out there scrolling and whether they're looking for you or not. I mean, again, keeping top of mind, like you can, there's so many cool things you can do to geotarget and really like find the right demographic and go after those customers that, you know, you really want in your stores that it's probably the most effective way to do it, you know, to, to stay on top of mind in that way. Cause that's what people are staring at all the way, all the time, you know, is their phone.
0: <laughs> when you say that, are you talking about a mix of like organic and ads or is it one or the other?
1: 100%, yeah, a, a mix. Certainly like the more organic, the better, but you know, I think it's silly to say that there's no pay to play in this world.
0: Awesome. Well, Nicole, this is awesome. I really appreciate your time today. Thank you on behalf of everybody that got a chance to listen to the show today. Uh, if you have questions for Nicole, what would be the best way for people to get in touch with you if they had any questions?
1: Um, You can, you know, email me, Rev, you have your, my email address. If you want to blast <laughs> that out there, I mean, come at me. <laughs>
0: yeah, we, and we are live on LinkedIn. So could people just message you on LinkedIn? That works as well. God bless. And if they're going to Rush Bowls today for the first time, what do they need to order?
1: I mean, Beach Bowl is kind of the tried and true. That's by far our biggest seller. So it's kind of a, a win-win.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Nicole. Appreciate you being here. Thanks for it was a great show. Lots of good insights. You know, one of my favorite things about these shows is the answers are never the same. They're always the same and they're always different. So it's <laughs> thank you for sharing that. If you're listening to this show on audio, please subscribe to your, to, to uh, get all the new episodes. And if you're hearing this in any way, shape or form, new, uh, live or not, share this with somebody else who cares. Nicole, thanks so much Make it a great, tasty day.
1: Thanks, Rob. See ya. Bye.